Well, after a year's delay uh, due to the pandemic, today, uh, 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games have finally come to an end. During the past 16 days, over 10,000 athletes from over 200 countries have completed, competed in 339 medal events. Now, I haven't seen all those events. Maybe you have. Maybe you've been staying up all night watching them. But I've enjoyed watching a few of the highlights because I've always enjoyed sport. In fact, when I was at school, I played in the school hockey team. When I went to uni, I used to go for a swim if I didn't have a lecture in the morning. Uh, then I bought myself a mountain bike and used to love going for long cycles. And then more recently, maybe in an effort to stave off a middle age, I have been going for a run in the mornings. But I'm sure you're shocked to know that I've never actually competed in Olympic Games. You're shocked, aren't you? I've never won, uh, tried to win a medal. Nobody's ever celebrated my sporting achievements. And why is that? Well, it may be something to do with a lack of ability or lack of physique, but it's also due to a lack of commitment. For me, sport was just always for fun. It's just a way to get some exercise, a way to blow off some steam, kind of clear the head from the studying, that kind of a thing. But for those athletes in Tokyo, things are completely different. Each of them have went there after years of dedication and training and sacrifice. And they went there because they were desperate to be the best in their chosen sport. They, were, they dreamt of winning that medal and standing in that podium. And of course, some of our Irish athletes have achieved that. Our boxers have won a bronze and a gold just this morning, in the, in the early hours of this morning, uh, Kelly Harrington won a gold medal. And then Aurors, they've also won a bronze and a gold. And in this next section of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul has encouraged us to be like those athletes in Tokyo. Not in terms of sport, you're probably glad to hear that, but in terms of living our Christian lives. He wants us to follow their example. Because if we want to succeed in our living for Jesus, if we want to glorify God in our lives, then we need to run to win. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. And Caroline's going to read for us uh, this morning. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize.
Thank you very much, Caroline, for reading for us. The Corinthians would have been familiar with the, the ancient Greek Olympic Games. But they also had their local Isthmian Games. Every two years, these were held on the Isthmus, the strip of land that Corinth sat on. And these games were more than just entertainment. They were a real passion. Each of these athletes desperately wanted to win the prize. Now, in the modern Olympics, of course, that's a gold medal. But in Paul's day, it says in verse 25, they do it to get a crown. In the Olympic Games, that was an olive garland on their heads. For the Isthmian Games, the Corinthian Games, this was a garland made of pine. And Paul wanted these Christians in Corinth to have that same kind of ambition. To have the ambition to win the prize. He told them, run in such a way as to get the prize. I don't know if if you've heard people say this, but I certainly have. They've said, it's not the winning that counts, it's just the taking part. Yeah? You always get told that once you've lost, don't you? Uh, It's not the winning that counts, it's, it's just taking part. But Paul disagreed. He wasn't just encouraging them just to be in the race. He wanted them to run to win the race. Showing up for the race wasn't enough for him. It wasn't enough for the Corinthians just to trust in Jesus and to book their place in heaven and to sit back and just to wait for God to call them to heaven. Paul wanted them to run in the Christian life to win the prize. But what does that mean? What does it mean as Christians to run to win the prize? Well, Paul here is not talking about salvation. That's not the prize that we're running to win. The athletes in the games, they didn't compete in order to become a Greek citizen. In fact, it was the other way around. You had to be a Greek citizen before you were allowed to run in the race. Similarly, heaven is not a prize that we win through our efforts or through our dedication. Instead, it's a gift from God that God gives to us through our faith in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 says, It is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Everyone who's put their faith in Jesus are now citizens of heaven. And so, if we're trusting in Jesus, then we're in this race. Each and every one of us. So this is not talking about salvation here. Neither is it talking about self-promotion. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is just kind of like seeking our own glory. Pushing ourselves forward. Eh, for, for all of the prize that we want. Even if it hurts others. So in the games, an athlete competed to win. And they competed against other people. So if they won, then everybody else in that race lost. But the Christian life is completely different from that. 
everyone who runs well is rewarded with a prize. If we all run well, then each one of us is successful and we could all win the prize. And that is what we're supposed to aim for. We're not called to compare ourselves with other people. We're not called to compete with other people. Instead, we're called to cooperate. To look out for each other and help each other to run to win the prize. So Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 2, says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. God wants each one of us to run to win the prize and to encourage other people to win the prize too. Because that's the attitude of Christ, isn't it? Because he laid down his life for us. And we are called to lay down our lives for each other. So this prize is not salvation and it's not self-promotion. It's not making a name for ourselves. But rather it's about seeking to honour God with our lives. Paul wanted these Christians to seek after the reward from Jesus that he will give to all those who faithfully serve him. Paul already wrote about this in this letter. If you remember, way back in chapter 3 of this letter, we saw how Paul said that God will assess how we've all worked to build the community of God's people. And he says, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So because of Jesus, our salvation in him is secure. Our relationship with God is absolutely certain if we put our trust in Jesus. Nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away. No one will ever snatch us out of his hand. But as a Christian, our lives matter. When Jesus reviews our lives at the end of the age, we'll either suffer loss or we will enjoy a reward. And being rewarded isn't going to bring glory to us, so to speak. It really is bringing glory to God. Because everything that we've achieved is through His grace. It's through what He has given to us. This is what Paul will write later in in this letter, nearly right at the end, chapter 15. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So it's by God's grace that we've been saved. It is by God's grace we've been adopted into His family. It is by God's grace He's invited us to serve in His kingdom and empowered us by His Spirit and motivated us by His love. And so when we will win the prize, we lay it down at His feet and praise Him for all that He has done in transforming our lives and enabling us to serve the Lord. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 8. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. To my Father's glory. So that's why we should be ambitious. That's why we shouldn't just mess about in our lives. That's why we're not just here sitting around waiting for heaven. Because running to win is not about trying to be right with God. That's a gift that God has given us through faith in Christ. Running to win is not about being better than others. Rather, it's been ambitious to be all that God has planned us to be. To live the life that Jesus has rescued us to live. And to accomplish all that the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do. Because that's how we honour God's grace. That's how we glorify His name. So we are called to run to win. But if we're going to do that, then we need to be focused. Look at verse 26. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. In the story Alice in Wonderland, Alice asked the cat, Would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? The cat answered, That depends a great deal on where you want to go. Oh, I don't much care, Alice replied. Well then, said the cat, it really doesn't matter which way you go. doesn't matter which way you go in your life if you don't really care where you're you're going to end up. But Paul was not like that. He was the exact opposite of that, in fact. He ran with purpose and direction because he knew where he wanted to go. He knew what he was living for. This is what he said in Acts chapter 20 to 24 to the elders of the church in Ephesus. I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That was Paul's goal. That's what he was living for. That's what he was aiming for. Paul knew that he was on earth to make disciples of the Lord Jesus. And he was single-minded in his determination to accomplish God's plan for his life. And this is why Paul was not distracted by all the other possibilities of life on this earth. This is why he gave up his freedom to eat just whatever he liked. This is why he turned down the money that he could have got paid. This is why he set aside his preferences and became all things to all people. He was living with one goal in mind. To please his Lord by doing what he was called to do. So what about us? Are we just running aimlessly through life? Are we constantly distracted by other opportunities, 
other possibilities? Are we just here, there and everywhere? Or do we have our eyes on the finish line? Are we seeking more than anything else to please Christ by living the life that He has called us to live? Is that what gets us up out of bed in the morning? Is that what drives us through whatever we're going through? Is that what helps us and gives us encouragement even as we're going through difficult times or times of suffering and pain? Have we got our eyes on the goal? Paul didn't just have a clear goal. He also fought a real battle. Look at verse 26 again. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Shadow boxing. I guess it's something that people might do in training. Now, if you go to that boxer size, has anybody been boxer size where you do box? I don't know anything about that kind of thing. That's not for me at all. But uh, if you're into that, then you just be there. You don't punch somebody. You don't punch a punch bag. But if you're in a fight, you need to land your punches, or you're in a bad way. So Paul, he wasn't just punching the air. He wasn't just pretending to serve the Lord. He didn't just look busy as an apostle, you know, because busyness is, is, is a goal. No, it wasn't that. He was actually doing the hard work of serving in God's kingdom. In our Christian lives, it's possible to look the part without actually living for God. We could be busy attending services. Even doing ministry. And really we're just going through the motions. We're just acting apart. Just looking like we're serving God. But we're not really connecting with God. We're not really seeking His kingdom with all of our hearts. We're not really fighting the fight. But if we are going to win the prize, we need to be focused. We need to have a clear goal. And we need to be willing to get in the fight and land our punches. Of course, that's not easy, is it? It demands discipline. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, Paul says in verse 25. In the ancient games, an athlete, before they were allowed to compete in the games, they had to actually make an oath, a vow that they'd been training for the last ten months. And Epictetus, an ancient Greek philosopher, he described what that training was like. He said this, You must live by rule. Eat what will be disagreeable. Because obviously, good food is always the, the, the less than tasty stuff. Refrain from delicacies. You must oblige yourself to constant exercises at the appointed hour in heat. And cold. And it's the same today, isn't it? For our Olympic athletes. It's tough to win a medal. After he'd won his rowing gold medal, Fintan McCarthy's mum said this, The last five years have been relentless. Full of highs and lows, ups and downs, moments of elation and lots of early mornings taking Finton to training. Lots of eating too. He has always had this Olympic dream. They have worked ever so hard to get there. That's what you have to do if you want to be an athlete. 
what you have to do also if you want to be successful in the Christian life. Living for Christ requires strict discipline. It takes effort and struggle to be who we're called to be. The Apostle Peter, he wrote that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. It's a great verse. Gives us such encouragement. God has supplied all that we need. But then he goes on to say, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. Make every effort. It doesn't just come automatically. It's not a case of just sitting back and saying, God, you've provided everything, so on you go. Do your work. It also requires effort to do everything that God has called us to do. Later in this letter, Paul wrote, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Serving God is tough. It used to it frustrate me a little bit every time we would go back to Scotland and, and go and meet with friends or people in, our, in, our, in, our, in our, our home church back in Scotland. The people would say, are you still enjoying it in, in, in Iscorthy? And I'm saying, no. It's hard work. Of course it is. I'm sure you find that too, don't you? Serving God is hard work. It's not easy. Whether that's serving God in the home or at work. Or in our community, or in church, or whatever area that God has called you. It's hard work. It's labor in the Lord. Even our love for God is described as an active thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Seeking to honour God with everything that we are and have takes focus and energy. And of course, we'd all like a shortcut to this. We'd all like the end result without the hard work. The blessing without the cost. Spiritual maturity without the spiritual disciplines. Wouldn't it be great if we just came to church and God kind of zapped us and gave us all of those things right now? I know lots of people who love that. But that's not the way that God has designed our lives. So if we want to know God's will, we need to get our Bibles out and read it. And seek God's will through reading His Word. If we want a deeper relationship with God, then we need to take time in our lives to pray to God and with God. And if we want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then we need to walk daily being led by the Spirit through our lives. And this is costly. So Paul said in verse 27, I beat my body and make it my slave. The boxer, he, he beats his body to toughen up so he'll win the contest 
against his opponent. And in a similar way, Paul needed the same discipline, not to beat his physical body, but to beat his sinful nature into submission, so that he would not be controlled by that sinful nature. This was radical self-denial. Denying anything which might undermine his effectiveness as God's servant. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If we are going to win the prize, then we need to get rid of this idea that the Christian life should be comfortable and easy. That it should just kind of happen automatically. That we just sit back and wait for God to do his stuff. And that we should just be doing things that are enjoyable or just fun. We need to be willing to embrace the cost of discipleship. And be willing to give up even the things that are good because we're Our goal is something far better. And we need to keep on doing this. No matter how long we'll be living for Christ. Paul says that he did this so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This word preached here is word heralded. It comes from that kind of, the, the Olympic Games, the Isthmian Games uh, uh, terminology. A herald summoned contestants to the race. He announced the, the, the rules of the race and then he announced the winners. He also announced anybody who had been disqualified from the race because they might be cheated or they bent the rules or they'd taken a shortcut. And this is what Paul had been doing in his ministry. He'd been calling people into this life with Christ. But unlike the herald in the games, he was also running the race. He wasn't just calling other people to run. He himself was running. And he was aware because of his own weaknesses that he was being careful not to be disqualified himself. Now that doesn't mean he's he's worried about losing his salvation. The disqualified Greek athlete wasn't kicked out of that Greek community. He didn't lose his citizenship, but he didn't lose his opportunity to win a prize. So after calling others to run the race, Paul didn't want to make a mess of his life, to blow it and to miss out on the opportunity to run for Christ and win the race. So Paul was vigilant. He'd accomplished so much in his life for God. He'd run a long way in that race. But he wasn't complacent. He knew that his race wasn't over yet. He was still focused, still disciplined, still running to win. Again, this is what he writes in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. He continued to take the time to watch his life 
and grow in his relationship with the Lord. Discipleship is a lifelong process. We never arrive this side of heaven. So it's never time to sit back and relax and think that we've made it. This is not a challenge to these young people or these young believers who are just setting out on the race. As old codgers who have been running for decades, we are still called to be vigilant and to watch how we're running and run to win. We need to keep on running the race right to the end. For me, there's nothing more exciting than meeting an older believer who's been running for years and years and years and is still as passionate for God as they were when they were finally started. That's what God wants for us. For the Christian, it's not a steady decline as we get older. We're still running. Maybe we're not able physically to do all the things we used to do, but we're still called to run for Christ and serve Christ right up into the end. And it's worth it. Lastly, Paul wanted us to know that. He wanted us to know that all of the effort, the suffering, the struggle, the cost, the sacrifice, the ridicule, it's all worth it. Athletes, they're willing to experience so much hard work and pain because they believe that that prize at the end is worth it. But how much more should we believe that running our race is worth it? Listen to what Paul says in verse 25. They do it, the athletes, they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. A garland of of leaves and branches, that'll just wither. A medal, well that'll just tarnish. The applause will die down. The record, that'll be broken eventually. And the same goes for every prize that this world offers. Fame, education, money, possessions, career, popularity, relationships, all of them just last for a short time. But the crown that God offers, that's an eternal one. It will never perish, never spoil, never fade. It will never be lost. It will last forever. That's what should motivate us to live for Christ. Yes, there's a cost. But whatever we sacrifice for God, whether it's our time, our energy, our money, our resources, our dream, our reputation, whatever we have to give up, It's worth it in the end. Whatever we lose, we gain far, far more. And this is what motivated Jesus to go to the cross for you and for me. Hebrews chapter 12 and 2 says this about Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame 
and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Jesus was willing to die in agony and shame because he was looking forward to his prize. The joy of being in his Father's glory with us. And he believed that that was worth the cross. So let's not waste our life. Let's not miss out on what we've been saved for. Let's run to win. Let's be ambitious for the prize of honouring our God. Let's be focused and live with a clear goal of fulfilling His plan for our lives. Let's be disciplined and accept that strict training and self-denial. And let's be vigilant, running right to the end. Because we can be encouraged that whatever it costs, it will be worth it all. Let's pray. Father God, we really thank you for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Father, thank you that he loved us enough, that he was willing to go through the pain and the agony and the shame and the ridicule of the cross to win us for himself, to bring us into this wonderful relationship with you, Lord through simple faith in Him, to give us this security, this joy, this, this satisfaction of just knowing that we are Your children this morning. But Father, we just pray that You help us. Help us to fix our eyes on Him and follow His example today. Help us to run in our Christian lives, to run as to win the prize. Help us not to get distracted by all the stuff in this world, the the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on the goal and run for you, knowing that whatever we do, our labour in the Lord is not in vain. So Lord, help us, please Lord, give us the energy, give us the focus, give us the commitment, give us the passion, give us the clear sight, Lord, whatever it is that we need, Lord. Set us free from the things that have been holding us back, Lord. Help us to to ditch those sins that have been weighing us down. And let us run with perseverance, Lord, the race that you have marked out for us. That we may honour you and we might glorify you in being all you've called us to be. For your honour and for your, your name. Amen.